Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. This week we welcome back Lisa and Andrew from the Round the Archives podcast who've agreed to be subjected to our Fab Radio randomizer and be guided on a long journey through the universe of television via a series of random topics to see just where the conversation takes us. This week, with the simple prompt of the words Terry Nation, we will flit via the Avengers skirting round the world of ITC and television science fiction to take a couple of orbits of Charlie Barlow, pause to think a little bit about modern day viewing options before heading off into the deepest recesses of the sky at night. I always feel that Vision on Sound is often at its best when it's just a couple of people having a natter about the subject of the old telly which we all love, and taking these trips just lets us have a quietly informed chat about all sorts of telly-related nonsense, and I hope that you enjoy taking the journey along with us. Let's fire up those fab Radio International time engines and get going. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hello. Hello, Martin. Yes, we're fine. Thank you. And you? Ticking along beautifully, you know. We're juggling between shows at the moment because, uh, like I said, we've had uh, various uh, people sort of unwell and what have you. So we're, we're trying a few new things just to sort of put some content together. Put Ooh, some shaking together. it up. Shaking it up a bit. Yeah, messing around with a format a bit and all that kind of malarkey. Shake me up, Judy. What was that, Lisa? <laughs> what was that from? That's Bleak House, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah indeed. Yeah. Shake me up, Judy. Shake me up. So so what I'm doing is I'm I'm basically I tried this with Warren, it worked quite nicely. So we're gonna try it again with yourselves, because I sometimes feel that maybe uh, me and Warren go a bit down the serious, serious route on the set when we don't. Uh, so I thought we could talk about various topics. I'll throw topics at you, we'll either talk about them for ten minutes, but if we keep rabbiting on and that takes us half an hour, then so be it. So I've got a list of topics that are things that I've been searching on the internet for various reasons for various shows and what have you and I'm just gonna pick a couple off the list and start you off and then if we fizzle out on that one we'll do another one if you see what I'm saying okay Mm -hmm. so my first topic uh, which I thought you might have at least opinions on and it was a very large but good starting point is Terry Nation do you have any thoughts on Terry Nation well my first thought is Nerry Nation because that's how he does his signature, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, Nerry. <laughs> Nerry, because it, it used to get the annuals, didn't you? Yes. The Dalek annuals. Yeah. And, and it would say, and I would wonder who Nerry Nation was. Mm-hmm. Nerry Nation <laughs> apostrophe S. That's part of his name, I think. <laughs> this is mine. It belongs to me. Yes. But ter- is it true to say there is such a thing as Terry Nation bingo? Yeah. When, you, when yeah. you're watching um, Dalek stories, especially. Yeah. So what's what's Terry Nation bingo? Uh, the companion is stalked by a mysterious figure who yeah. turns out to be friendly. Yeah. Um, the Daleks appear at the end of episode one mm-hmm. as a surprise, yeah. even though they're in the title of the story. Yeah. <laughs> There's the name of a planet that basically is based is on what, whatever it's what it is. Like. Yeah. So so, <laughs> so 
So it's Iridius if it's arid and it's yeah. Marinus if it's wet. Yeah. And wasn't Iridius originally quite wet? So yes. I wonder if whether Iridius is what Marinus turned into. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We had very literal yeah. people living on that planet. It's the same yeah. planet. Although they're all cyberman according <laughs> to, uh, to something else, aren't they? But, uh... Yes. And of course, there has to be a character called Tarrant, doesn't there? there has yes. To be yes. Oh, there are lots of Tarrants around here, aren't there, Lisa? There are lots of Tarrants. There's, vi- there's a whole yeah. chain of villages named Tarrant around oh, really? here. Really? Yeah. Did, did Terry own the... a lot of land then in the south? <laughs> no, no, but there's Tarrant Moncton and Tarrant Rushton and Tarrant Crawford and Tarrant oh, Keenston wow. because there's a river Tarrant. Ah. So it's the Tarrant Valley and all the. Yeah, so I, I, I do wonder, you know, they, they say this thing that. Tarrant is derived from Terry Nation's name, but I do wonder if he took a holiday in Dorset as well once. <laughs> you know, there's that story about Stepto and Son being seen on a sign and Quatermass in the phone book, isn't it? Mm. And I just wonder if, if Tarrant is a little sort of bit of Dorset tribute. I'd like yeah. to think it is. I would say Terry Nation's very good at first episodes right. as okay. well. Because the first episode of Survivors is is a cracker. It's It's possibly one of the best things he's ever written in terms of the impact it has which obviously lessens as, as the series goes on and a sort of normal life mm. ensues but yeah that first episode is is bleak but memorable yeah. it, it's written so. from the heart that one isn't it really this is it how is. terrified i am yeah. about what's happening in the world and yeah, yeah I, I can see where that's coming from do you feel that i think i got it wrong i always think i got this wrong but i think maybe i didn't is that later on in his career he was basically writing intros for macgyver <laughs> uh, so he was doing you know all that he was really good at setups and interesting ideas but then mm. the actual maybe the process of writing would not necessarily be there was a very formulaic approach to that but he had some cracking ideas and, and quite often even when you go back to his the time he spent script editing the avengers some of the setups in those avengers episodes he did were were phenomenal so he was a really good ideas man terry nation well you say you say macgyver because i don't really know macgyver yeah did you, did you watch it Lisa? I, I did at the time we put it over there actually i, I did buy it and we've not watched it yet it's, it is yeah. great fun not to be taken too seriously all right at all yeah but yeah i did i did watch it at the time okay yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I never really saw at the time and I haven't since. So so he was very good at writing the impossible situation, wasn't he? Or, yeah. or a yeah. setup that just seemed so impossible to get out. I mean, did they write alternate episodes of Master Plan or is that me getting that wrong again? Or did they just write a chunk each? No, Terry's more the first half. Right. And episode seven. And then it starts saying Dennis Spooner from an idea by Terry Nation. Right. And, you and see, I just this... had this vision of him, you know, them alternating weeks and him going, writing the cliffhanger and thinking, ha, get out of that. Yeah, that, that that's what sort of fandom used to say. It's not strictly true, I don't right. think. But I think also not strictly true is the story that he like posted 20 pages of ideas through Donald Tosh's letterbox and then buggered off to the airport. I don't think that's true either. <laughs> It's a very good way to have a livelihood, though, isn't it? You know, fight <laughs> <Quite> and <a> run. <laughs> so what do you think of his work, though? What do you think of Terry Nation's work? As a, I think as solid a... is a good word, yeah. is it? Yeah, mm. but when he's good, he's yeah, very good. Yeah, when he's good. good, he's very good. Yeah. Um, 
But you, you say about first episodes, and I really like the first episode of the Android Invasion. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a great setup episode, mm-hmm. and it, it feels very sort of Avengersy, doesn't yes. it? With this yeah. mysterious village and mm-hmm. what's going on here. Yeah, later on when you actually start to sort of nail it down to, as to what's going on. Yeah. Yes, you can you can go on about Crafer's eye patch and things like that being mm. not the most believable mm. way to take a story, but. Yeah, he's very much sort of, you know, an, an image, isn't it? I think mm. a Terry Nation story is, is something that sticks in your head. I mean, mm. I remember Genesis of the Daleks, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember it being repeated and I remember reading it and I remember listening to it on the tape and I even remember rewriting it to do a parody version of it. <laughs> and it's still a very solid story structure. How much mm. of that is Bob Holmes, again, is... Is well, open that's the to other question, question, isn't it? Because a lot of it could be argued, not wanting them to sue, but it could be argued that quite often there was a very similar structure to Terry Nation's Dalek yeah. scripts, wasn't there? I mean, there'd be a radiation thing. There'd be a like, like we were saying earlier, they they would have the same beats, if you like. I mean, there is an argument that Planet of the Daleks is basically the original Dalek story writ large, isn't it? Really, sort of coloured in with some, mm. with more fur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but then there is the argument that how often does Doctor Who sort of regenerate its child audience? Mm. So ten years later, the same story structure mm. will be new to a kid. You know, mm. a kid watching Planet of the Daleks mm. wouldn't necessarily have been around ten years before to see it. Mm. So. Yeah, you, you 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 can get away with that. Yeah, but there is a fundamental strength to something like Dalek Invasion of Earth, isn't there? I mean, the, like you say, the images in that, you know, the, the, even the one that Terence Dix turned into that famous, you know, ruin of a man walking through the the, the, the streets and what have you. It it and the flying saucer and all those images that went into the movie or the two movies, which we've we've now heard are going to get spruced up again. <laughs> <laughs> How many copies of the of the movies have you got? <laughs> Only about two. Or, or, uh, or one or two? We've got it on DVD. I don't think I, I ever owned it on VHS. Mm. So. I mean, I'm from the period when it was on the telly so much you almost didn't need to own it. Right. But, you know, okay. um, I remember it being on those sort of Saturday morning hmm. slots on sort of BBC and then later Are you re- tempted repeats. by 4K Blu-rays? It depends what it's the extras are. It's a bit pricey. Are. Yeah, it also <laughs> depends what the extras are because a lot of the time now, because we're so familiar with the actual... Yeah material that you're watching if i buy something i'll buy it for the extras that are on it yeah yeah so we always su- suspect that some fans of certain tv programs have got more money than sense really. <laughs> though it would yeah. be interesting to see it on the big screen yeah you know so, so close you can feel their fire but, i think my um, disappointment actually was last time i watched dalek invasion of earth specifically was i hadn't watched the spruced up dvds before and I noticed the creases in the in the backdrop, and I thought, oh, oh right. that's interesting, which I'd not seen before because it was all I was watching it on smeary old VHS or, like you say, on television. And so I don't know whether sometimes you think too much cleaning up might <laughs> might <laughs> oh dear me, I'm going to take get taken out of it a bit. I don't know, but I, they're they're both solid stories, and I think that's the yeah. interesting thing going back to Terry is that the imagery he was a feature film writer, really, wasn't he? Mm. Mm. Let's say about Blake Seven here as well. Yes, mm. how well, strong, I, was, I was going to come on to that. Yeah, yeah. how strong mm. that first episode yeah. of Blake Seven is, yeah. both in terms of a drama and, and in terms of 
subject it's covering. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the stuff that Blake is accused of yeah. is... Because that, that first episode was on re- like really early, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. I forget the exact time, but it's not sort of an eight o'clock thing. It was about sort of half past mm. six or something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, He's writing very grown-up telly, but for yeah. some reason, oh, sched- ab- schedulers ab- thought, oh, this is kiddie yeah. sci-fi. <laughs> and again, I remember watching Blake on an original transmission. You're, you're mm. possibly a little yeah, I d- I too young for it, Lisa. I didn't really see it to the early you, 90s. You came to Blake 7 on VHS, yeah. though, didn't you? So. Yeah. You'd, you'd come down to Salisbury and, yeah. and, and Nick would show you his Blake, wouldn't he? He would. <laughs> and let me, me the VHSs to watch because it was two episodes per tape. Per tape, wasn't it? that's yeah. right, yeah. You did the videos after you'd watched. You, you've done a rewatch of Blake 7 recently. Yeah, we, we've, we done, well, the we've done the first two, two seasons yeah. and done, right. again, increasingly nitpicky yeah. reaction videos. Yes. And although we t- we do take the P out of Blake Seven, of course we do. Mm. Um, but that's because we love it. Yeah. You know, mm. we wouldn't mm. invest all that time into something we didn't like. No. Mm. And yes, there are ups and downs, and there are silly moments in Blake mm. Seven. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of um, is it Voice from the Past? Yes. You know, hello, you didn't know it was me, did you? <laughs> As I always refer to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I, I mean, I imagine then. Pretty much, actually, if you've only done the first two seasons, you're pretty much... You're actually at maximum strength Terry Nation influence, really, at that stage, aren't you? Yeah, because Terry's not, still does, around Does he write one in the, or two in the third series, but no, not much he, after that, really? Yeah, does he? he does sort of the start and the end, yes. doesn't he? Because yeah. he does Aftermath. And Terminal. And, yeah, is Power Play his or not? Not sure. I can't remember. Probably I need Chris, to look. Chris Boucher. No, it doesn't yeah. doesn't feel voucher to me. No. I need to look. But you can check voucher. that, Martin. You can yes. you can drop yeah. in whether we're right or not. <laughs> if anybody even notices, yes, absolutely. Cut to Martin going and power play was actually written by. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I actually think the interesting thing about aftermath is it's like no, you're not writing any new characters. I'm having those characters. <laughs> <laughs> They're mine. It's Terry Nation's. It's uh, Blake Seven. And and Mike, Michael Sheard Claxon as well. Oh yes. Oh. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Does does Cyril do a Blake Seven at all? Does, does Cyril? Cyril Shaps. Shaps. Uh, not Shaps. No. No. Does no. he not? There's an omission. And not, neither is there a Gordon Gostolo. So. Gordon Gostolo. Lisa's going. There's always a silver lining. So when it comes when it comes to Terry Nation, though, would you say Blake Seven is your favourite, or or is it always Daleks? I'd say my favourite Dalek stories are not necessarily Terry Nation ones, mm. with the exception of Genesis. Mm. But some Which of my may, or may not be a Robert Holmes. <laughs> some of the strongest material in Blake Seven is down to Terry Nation, mm-hmm. and 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 what as you said, Survivors as well. Yeah. You know, let let's not yeah. shy away from Survivors. Mm. That you know, mm. I remember sort of somebody once said that your Terry Nation sort of thing is to think of the worst situation you could possibly put your characters in and then heap a whole load of worse on top you know Mm. and certainly that whole image of survivors of Mm. everybody around you dying Mm -hmm. you know when you actually think about it because isn't that 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 bit with the church the the pullback please don't let me be the only one and it's just yeah because it's all it is is it's just abby isn't it Mm. with a whole wide expanse of Of nothing of nothing yeah yeah so yeah it's 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 that's the stuff that sticks in your head, I think. You and know, a not, few not... years on, do you think his reputation is still fairly solid? 
Um, again, I'm from the sort of period of late eighties, early nineties fandom, mm. and we would latch on to formula, you know, uh, um, sort of you know, write your own Terry Nation story, mm. write your own John Pertwee story with a load mm. of tick boxes and things like mm. that. But let's not forget how television works. Mm. That you know, Terry knows exactly what he what he can do on television. He's mm. always put. He's always pushing the system, because Dalek Invasion of Earth, especially, mm. is insanely ambitious for Doctor Who's production schedule. Isn't At it? this point. At this point, yeah. Mm. And you compare season one with, with, you know, there's some great stuff in season one, mm. but suddenly we're outside in season mm. two, and it just feels so much bigger, doesn't it? Especially all that running through London stuff. Mm-hmm. And with Barbara sort of running up to the gates and mm-hmm. sort of rattling the gates, and it does feel like the series has taken a step up, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, the breath of fresh air, isn't? It? I mean, that suddenly getting that location stuff really does sort of open the whole thing up to a much sort of broader canvas so, on which. To yeah. Work. So, so yeah, definitely, I think Terry is not afraid of pushing the system. No. You know, what do you think of him in terms of having worked with Tony Hancock? I don't really know. There, all I know is the Galton and Simpson Hancock stuff. Mm. You see, I don't really know the but other you, stuff yet. But you, what I'm saying is, do you think? Because uh, I, I had not seen any of the the Terry Nation Hancock work. I think it's the ATV series, isn't it? Mm. It's I've, I just wonder, can you actually imagine it? This is the thing I'm saying because this is comedy. And yeah. everything we know from Terry Nation since doesn't appear to be comedy. And I just wondered, do you know him as a comedy writer? Can you think of do you think of Terry Nation and think of comedy at all? I'm I I'd like I would like to learn about it. Yes, mm. I'd like to I'd like to see it. I'd um, if if we got any yeah. Uh we've got one Tony Hancock disc. I don't know if that is actually any Terry Nation stuff mm. on there. There is some more being released as well. Yeah. So, so possibly one of those will have. Yeah. But Terry but it, it's what is it Associated London Scripts wasn't it he was to do with mm. originally so there's him there's like Galton and Simpson mm. there's Spike Milligan there's Eric Sykes yeah and yeah it does feel like Terry Nation's a bit of an odd one out there mm. but I I just love to have been a, I'd love to if I wanted to time travel somewhere ALS is what is a place I'd like to visit <laughs> just to see how it <laughs> just to see how it all worked and were were like sort of people always in and out on each other's scripts and things like that. I don't know. Um, I just can't imagine how how that setup worked. Well, and... there are comic Dalek moments, aren't there, in the Dalek serials he writes? I mean, I, I know, I know Kiza Marinus is quite serious, but there is that strange comedy Dalek that sort of stands there and goes, uh, um, um, I'm not sure kind of thing. But I was just thinking, because if you think about 60s Doctor Who, the writers you think of who wrote lighter comedy, well, was Dennis Spooner, wasn't it, really? Yeah. And you think Dennis Spooner was a comic writer who wrote drama and Terry Nation was a drama writer who put some comedy in. And do you think there is a difference between those two things? Possibly. I think with Terry Nation's scripts, you do feel the script editor more than you Mm. do with some other people's scripts. Mm. Whether that's because they've got to change things because they're too expensive or whether they've got to fill in a few blank spaces, I don't know. Mm. But certainly 
the Daleks, you know, the original serial feels very different mm. to the chase, which feels very different to Genesis of the Daleks, mm. which feels very different to Destiny of the Daleks. Mm. So, and you could argue that although there are similarities in the in the structure, the actual tone is very different. Yeah. So I think one of my favourite things about him is for, coming from a design point of view is that when he he always used to describe large white rooms <laughs> and say and yeah. say it's it's their job to worry about what it looks like. Yeah, you're the always designer. Think, Get on because Blake it, yeah. Seven always seems to be full of large empty white rooms. <laughs> it's like the designers went, oh well, that's what it says in the script. <laughs> we can do that. We got some paint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you but, think because uh, there are there are accusations, rightly or wrongly, that his words on the page, the, the amount of credit he gets for the Daleks, for example, when really it's a four-line thing that somebody mm. else made look good. And, and and there is a certain amount of tension. Because he does seem to have fallen out with most of his producers, doesn't he, at some point? Yeah. Um, you're thinking of Survivors. You're Yeah. I, I was going to say, yeah. is that more... Um, people falling out with with Terence Dudley I don't know <laughs> mm. well that, I'm, that's, that's I'm, another I'm thinking question thinking of watch yeah um mm. but I would have been very interested in seeing Terry do more stories for Doctor Who that weren't Dalek stories because mm. there's that period when he is isn't he script editor on the Avengers mm. uh, towards the end and I can't imagine Terry as a script editor mm. <laughs> I, I, again, I'm tr- I'm struggling to work out how that would work. Um, <laughs> I'm so used to the idea of he probably got the script on his desk and and wrote Terry Nations on the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm so, I'm so used no, to that's not fair. you know people talking about Terry Nation being script edited mm. that twisting it round the other way. I'd just be interested to know how that worked on a sort of day to day basis. And and I, I just wish we, we, we had more examples in Doctor Who of like raw Terry Nation without the Daleks. Mm. So just, just to get a feel for you know, for what he's like when he's not doing the Daleks. What are you Avengers fans out of interest? I <laughs> I haven't no. seen <laughs> No 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 no. I, I like the Avengers as an idea. Right. Um but I have very few episodes of the avengers that i rewatch, right I, it's not a show i go back to is it a show you've bought you've actually got oh we've got the we've got we've got the entire mm. thing over there in a huge mm. great big box set haven't you we? can't yeah. get the discs out and i can't get the discs out of them because they're ah. all stuck in really hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i've probably only seen about 40 percent of the avengers right. probably mm. and, and, well, I mean, and most so... of that only once yeah right so, do you have an era of it that you're most drawn to then? Because, because obviously, Terry Nation was more involved in the later years, and I just wondered: do you prefer the later color stuff? Do you prefer the videotape studio? I'm stuff? more familiar with the later color stuff, certainly, right. because mm. again, that that's those Channel Four repeats, isn't mm. it? So, did you watch those when they were on? Yeah, I, I sort of, I, mm. I do remember the late Emma Peel, Tara King stuff more than than any other mm. than any no, other just, period. Because yeah. the reason I ask you is that I know that you have a uh, you've mentioned in the past a, a liking for those long scenes, multi-camera studio stuff, and I just wonder yeah. whether you'd, you'd actually you had a preference for you know the early Avengers, which was sort of filmed in that way, or but, but not really particularly. I mean, that, that's that's the thing. I guess I've 
my sort of watching of it mm. leads me to think of the Avengers as a film series. Mm. And film series are not necessarily the things I gravitate towards. Mm. I know there is videotape stuff, but most mm. of that I haven't seen. So, mm. yeah, it, it's almost like it, it almost feels like a different series, the really mm. early stuff. Mm. Um, what, what about you, Lisa? Oh, I am probably even less familiar with it than you are. I've I've seen the odd episode, and right. I, I do quite enjoy the um, Patrick McNee, Diana Rigg sort of mm. stuff. Yeah, but yeah, there's the problem is there's always so much to watch, isn't there? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> so well, that was what that was one of the subjects I was going to move on to, but I was just really wondering. <laughs> certainly. Do you, I mean, I know we, we talk a lot on, on various times about the roles of women in, in old television. Do you feel the Avengers actually, uh, or do you, do you not really feel that it, it's it's speaking to you? Um, I, I like the characters, mm. the female characters. They are very strong. Mm. So I, I would say that it always rankles a bit the, the, when they're doing the crossover between um, Emma Peel and Tara King when she says about how Steve likes his tea stirred. Because mm. there's that assumption that he'll make, she'll make him tea. Yeah, ah, stir, your own, mm. stir your own bloody tea, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But I, that's, I still, I, again, when you get back to uh, Terry Nation, I, I, tend, I, still, I still think much the same about Peter Bowles and make your own bloody bacon and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> when Abby's cooking his dinner and he's, du- mm. when he's dutifully come back from his dreadful seven-hour journey from London, but yeah. Mm. But it is a thing of drama in the sixties that you are starting to get stronger female characters, mm. but you you still have to have an element of the damsel in distress. Yes. So as as strong as Emma Peel is, she still has to be rescued a lot of the time by Steed. She very mm. rarely. It's the other way round, and she mm. will rescue Steed from the situation. Mm. So, but, I mean, I might as, be wrong there. As a but... groundbreaking idea, as a, as pushing the boundaries, do you feel it has? I mean, do you feel it does have a, a place in that that history at all? Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps to move on the way women are perceived. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it does. It does help. But and then we sort of reverse it a bit and go back to the other way thinking in a lot of, of the ITC series like sort of mm. the saint and um that sort of thing you know mm. you get this, those sort of those sort of cringeworthy scenes where the saint has to sweep in to rescue whichever mm. whichever actress is in danger this mm. week so, are, you, are you neither of you particularly because Andrew said he wasn't particularly fond of film series are you neither of you particularly ITC fans at all there are certain ITV, ITC series I like. I, I, I like The Persuaders. Mm. Um, for I'm not quite sure why, whether it's because I, I, I saw it at a relatively young age and it just appealed. But I like mm. that dynamic between Roger Moore and, and Tony Curtis. Mm. But for, for the rest, although we do have a lot of them on DVD. I mean, we own DVD, a lot. Mm. But in terms actually, of what have we watched, yeah, not, not much, lot. to no, be honest. No, I've seen We've... a bit of The Champions and... and mm. I've always found that really dull. Um, mm. You know, that first episode. <laughs> What's wrong with really, the champion? I just, just remember that first episode just seemed to consist of them wandering around this same bit of set over and over and over again. <laughs> but I mean, Space 1999. I quite like Space 1999. But, but, but which style of Space 1999? Uh, I haven't really seen enough of the second series to yeah. to say. Um, mm. Because we, we started watching the first series 
Mm. And we watched it in the order it was on DVD, on the DVD, it was the Blu-rays, yeah. and that's not the right order. Mm. It's another network thing of let's put it in production order, not in the order it was actually shown right. in, right. which is very confusing because it went from them just starting out on the journey to much later in the series. And it's like, hang mm. on a minute, I think we've missed a few episodes here. Mm. <laughs> no, it's just that I know that in terms of, quotes archive telly there's there seem mm. to be certain shows that people always talk about in terms of old telly you know and and the itc series are quite a cornerstone for a lot of people and i just i just wonder if if, if you're not particularly drawn to them is, is it really is it more to do with the portrayal of characters on them or is it or is it just some better than others is it i, I think a lot of the plots are fairly interchangeable when mm. it comes mm. to the sort of modern day yeah. Talking of Terry Nation. (laughs) Yeah, but um, I I quite like the idea of Randall and Hopkirk deceased. Yeah. I I think that that Mm -hmm. one's not bad. Mm. Um, There's the odd Department S episode Mm. that I quite like. Mm -hmm. But so many of them you feel you could like just cross out a few lines and and Mm. just change a few names here and there and it Mm. would work for another But you're more drawn to the, the downbeat ITC than the the heroic uh, ITC. If if it's a bit quirky, I, I, I'm much more attracted to it. I think mm-hmm. that, that's why I like Randall and Hopkirk more. You know, and the Jerry Anderson back catalogue, like you say, you mentioned Space 1999. Are you, are you sort of are you ambivalent about puppets? Or yeah, I, I've I've seen some of most puppet series mm. again sometimes i get the feeling i've watched them because i feel i ought to mm. um i know you don't get on with um with stanley unwin no. do you lisa no. <laughs> but you see you're both you're you're just about children of the 70s aren't you you're, you're yeah back end of the 60s so they weren't necessarily a cornerstone of your television youth so no. you not you don't get the nostalgia presumably for Thunderbirds or not really. Or I'm, I'm I I you know I vaguely remember watching it if it was on. No, they were on, but they, but they weren't necessarily. But, but yeah. it wasn't appointment viewing for me. No, mm. no, not in the way that Doctor Who was. Mm. Um, yeah, but was uh, Space 1999 then? Because obviously not particularly. No, not particularly. Um, mm. If it was on, I, I might might watch it, but. Um, you were both Doctor Who fans, or you are both Doctor Who fans. Was this idea that something that was just science fiction you would watch because it was science fiction, or did that not really draw you in either? I think I I spent, I think I've discussed this with you, Lisa, that I spent yes. a lot of the early 90s mm-hmm. sort of flailing around after they cancelled Doctor Who, mm. um, watching th- watching and religiously taping things like Star Trek The Next Generation, mm and the X-Files and all of that mm. stuff, and uh, all the Thunderbird repeats on BBC mm. Two. And then after a couple of years, realising that I taped them all religiously, and at mm. no point had I ever rewatched, them. <laughs> <laughs> Which was rather the sort of point of taping things, mm. wasn't it? Sorry, I'm, ju- I'm just looking at a box in the corner of Star Trek The Next Generation tapes that I did exactly the same thing. Yeah, and I, I came I to realise that it. I wasn't mm. necessarily a fan of stuff just because it was set in space mm. or just or because it was or because it had monsters in and things mm. like that and it's taken me a lot mo- longer to realise that I'm much more down the comedy stroke UK drama line Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as I said, and and if it's multi-camera and sixties yeah. and seventies, so much the better. 
And that that's, I think, where our re-watching occurs, mm. doesn't it, Lisa? Yeah. But are you both of that ilk where you like an actor and you'll watch an actor in lots of things? Is, would that be a way that you would sort of navigate your way through the archives of television? I can't say that I'm a like a religious follower of any actor, really. Mm. No. Um, what about you, no, it's just I know, I know there are a lot of people who will watch... No matter what David Tennant's in, they'll watch everything David Tennant's in, or or Chris Eccleston, or, or whoever you know, Cyril Shaps, if you like. Shaps. But um, no, I just wondered if if you think you know somebody's career, are you interested in sort of tracking it through that way, or does that is that not a, a route that you're particular? What is it that draws you to specific programs? I suppose is what I'm getting towards. I I tend to because we as we may have mentioned before we tend to watch a lot of police kind of dramas mm. and I think a lot of that is is the format of the drama and and certainly with some some of them the sort of satisfaction when somebody mm. is apprehended for whatever crime mm. um but yeah I mean because things like Z cars and things with Stratford Johns in if you've got Stratford Johns in something you do know that you've got a certain level of quality yeah mm. because of even if the story's not very good he himself will bring something interesting to it mm. um through the sort of his acting yeah and especially when you've got him and um Frank Windsor as well mm. it's you get that nice sort of balance of their personalities and because they've acted together for a certain amount of time depending on mm. when you're looking at they know each other's strengths and strengths and weaknesses so mm. they work well together i think so well you'll be happy to know that charlie barlow was on my list of things to talk about today so oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so do feel free okay. <laughs> to expand um, upon charlie barlow but yeah i mean for as, as, as we, we've said before, you know, if you if you had been accused of a crime and you want a certain policeman to investigate it, somebody you know is going to mm. do it with rigour and honesty, you can't mm. get much better than Charlie Barlow, really, because mm. he's harsh but, but fair. He wants mm. to see justice <laughs> done. Um, I mean, Barlow, what, and indeed Lynch, mm. are such long-running characters over various shows mm -hmm. mm. that they have a progression that you don't see apart from in soap operas do mm -hmm. you because yes. um, yeah. i was saying this to warren the other day i said mm. imagine if barlow from the first episode of zed cars time traveled to 1977 and met mm. inspector lynch what would he yeah. think he'd be amazed <laughs> he'd be appalled he wouldn't would, he yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what you know, about future Charlie Barlow? What would he have made of him, do you think? I don't think he... he, he although he does have a journey, I don't think his actual character, the essential mm. character, yeah. I changes, think he might say to himself, why really? the bloody hell are you investigating the princes in the tower? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get on with some proper work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is a sort of sense of, in some series, long-running characters can ultimately disappoint. But you feel that his... His calm centre, his his moral centre, if you like, stays pretty much consistent throughout. Or does does he get made more cynical by events? Do different scriptwriters mess with the Barlow idea? Again, it's hard. It's hard to tell because a we've watched most of it out of order. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. B half of it's missing. Yes. And mm. C half of what's ava- what does exist isn't available anyway. Yeah. So Well yeah. again, that was one of the things I was gonna to say to you. We've got a very patchy view of mm. of the progression of, of what sort of actual those characters can you actually watch in, in what's available to you. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But um what I'm saying is if you've watched one from nineteen seventy seven and you've watched one from nineteen sixty two, do you still feel that that central character is the same character yes with the you know with with maybe some mellowing with age do you think is he less angry later on a little bit yeah 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 for lynch you know from from zed cars especially he's got this most extraordinary progression in that in the first Mm. few episodes of zed cars and the sort of first series or two he's fairly feckless isn't he lynch all he really wants Mm. is to um, bet on a horse. Bet on a horse and have a drink mm. and, and have his pie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then by the time you get to the end of, of Zedgar's proper in, in 1977, he mm. really is the father of the police station. He's the one mm. that if there's a problem... Do you know what yeah. he is, Lisa? He's to. the linchpin. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm here all night, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so he's, he is... He, he's there because he's been there for so long. He is... Yes. The police station, really, in a way. Mm. That sounds weird. Yeah. The emotional core of the series or whatever. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. You know, he's who people go to if there's a problem because mm. he'll know somebody to get help you or some way of getting out of but it. He seems or... to know all the villains, he although he never seemed yeah. to have met them originally. No. <laughs> Which no. was just, I don't know when he met them all. I think there's an interesting thing, though, isn't there? When, when a series starts and you've got to create, say, a dozen characters... You could probably say, "Oh, we need an angry inspector, and we need a feckless Irishman, or whatever." And that's really about as much as you've got. And then, over the course of the fifteen subsequent years, the character builds, and little bits sort of fit into the jigsaw. But sometimes, maybe that isn't really there at the beginning. You know, mm, it, uh, yeah, it has I mean, to the, be built on with time. Yeah, no way. I think did they have any idea that they were committing themselves for such a long. Mm. Mm sort of run of playing those characters but the fact that those characters move from series to series mm. i think mm. st- makes it interesting yes that they're in very different situations aren't they mm-hmm. and that's maybe where i know people sort of in soaps because it's always in the same street yeah mm. it, it, you know you can worry about typecasting a bit but mm. I, I think less so with all the various zed cars sort of spin-off series, you know, mm. the Zed Cars sort of cinematic universe, shall we call it, mm. uh, which no other series has quite as much no. variety, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think Stratford-Johns did get a little worried about typecasting because mm. he mm. did play Barlow for quite a long period of time. So, yes. But then he come he comes out of whichever itineration he's doing, Barlow at large or Barlow. Mm. As there is well, one Barlow of them. is large, yeah. and he does I Claudius, yeah, and you know he, he's absolutely amazing in I Claudius, yeah. Mm. So he's he, not he's not bad in Blake Seven he's either. Not getting bad in Blake getting Seven. back no. to the Terry Nation universe. No. Mm. no, I mean, and that's that's a few years on again. Yeah. So mm. and and it's a and it's a big green frog as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and Magwitch, of course, I think as well. Yes. yes. Yeah, I'd imagine he's quite terrifying as Magwitch, actually. Mm. So, but it's this sense. Do you think that characters over time, no matter how I suppose they are sometimes written in the in the first instance as being unlikable, do you think just purely through familiarity, 
do you think they all become sort of national treasures or, or lovable or, or whatever? I mean, did he become oh good old Charlie Barlow, do you think? Uh, to a certain extent, but then hmm. you also get episodes of things where the junior policemen are absolutely terrified of coming up against him hmm. because hmm. he has this reputation yeah. as being a sort of tough... Which um, he can turn on he when can. he wants. Yeah. yeah. Or when yeah. he needs to, yeah. yeah. Mm. But what was that one when uh, when he's being threatened? Oh you yeah, remember yeah. that one. Yeah. And, and, and I can't mm. remember. It's a lot of while since we've seen it now. Mm. But he's he's getting sort of threats down the phone and stuff, yeah. isn't he? And somebody sets his house on fire. Yeah, yeah. And you, you see more of his home life there, yeah. isn't it? Because mm. he's just lost his wife, hasn't yes, he? Yes, in a car crash. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you do get to see sort of Barlow the mm. human being there, don't mm. you? And, and which series is that? Is that in Softly Softly Task Force or is that in one of the Barlow series? Or? Uh, yeah, it's Task Force, isn't it? It's Task Force, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. we, we have to think. We, we need to draw a bloody diagram now with, you know, what, what stories oh. happened in which, yeah. yeah. You were saying earlier about half of it being missing. I mean, what's the actual accessibility for, for listeners, for, for people who want to actually follow the career of Charles Charlie Barlow. There's or... no black and white stuff officially no. available no, now. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about officially, right. yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll say officially. There's um, no black and white there, stuff officially available. There is some softly, softly task force available. A lot of it from Germany, I think it is. You've got some German yeah. releases, haven't you? Yeah. Mm. So which confused you because you put the wrong soundtrack on. Once, yeah, I, I forgot to switch it over to English, and I'm like, oh no, this is wrong. They're, they're all talking <laughs> German. Let's 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 try this again. Ah. Yeah, it's very weird. Because yeah, the only Z German. cars you can officially buy doesn't have Barlow and what in it, no. does it? Right, they've no, left by that point. The se- early seventies. Mm. Yeah. Stuff. Um, There's none of this is available on Britbox or anything like that. No, oh, no, 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 no. DVD is okay. the only place, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, for all of this. Yeah, and um, even that might be quite hard to get hold of now. Yeah, you, you, you obviously you've had to import bit, bits and pieces. Mm. Um, mm. Jack the Ripper's the only other officially available Barlow right. and what yep. thing, isn't it? Yeah, and that is well worth getting. And that is bloody good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, though. what have you seen that's uh, less official? I mean, have you seen Barlow at large? Have you seen? The Barlow series. I've seen or one or two. Yeah, Barlow there were one or two on YouTube a while back, yeah. weren't there? I mean, we've seen yeah. a good chunk of black and white stuff. Mm. Yeah, and softly, softly, there was a fair bit available, wasn't there, for a while? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, mm. it depends what day of the week you're asking me as to what actually is out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, um, and, and presumably, you've seen some Barlow Z cars. I, mean, I know the, the first episode was widely available for a while wasn't it yeah I mean, it was, um, I mean it was actually on i mean it was on uh, there was a vhs release yeah yeah mm. um and yeah i had that many years ago now but even that's not available i don't think you'd need a vhs player you would. i don't th- those yeah those episodes that were on vhs are been. not available on DVD. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought of that. Mm. Uh, I mean, we might have copies on DVD, but uh, <laughs> that's another matter. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, do you have a, opinions on availability? Uh, we have very strong right opinions on availability, mm. don't we, Lisa? Yes, yes, because I have recently been trying to, because I, I got a hold of, well, Warren gave me the first half yeah. of By the Sword Divided. When you say the first half? The, the first, the first Five episodes. First five they episodes. Released it yeah. First half of series one. The first series of series one. Yeah, they released So this it is by the sword volumes. divided, which yeah. is what? When's that? Eighty. Uh, yes, mid mid eighties. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And I got the second half of series one. That wasn't too hard. 
Then I looked at getting series two and it suddenly becomes an awful lot harder mm. because it's um, it was released on DVD, mm. but like sort of Star Cops and things like that, it's now been deleted yes, and is going for um, silly money. Yeah. Mm. Is there of, any reason you know, why certain series are expensive apart from just being deleted that, that becomes sought out? Is there a particular actor in it who people want to see or... I, I don't know really because I'd say the market is quite small, isn't yes. it? So mm. the number yeah. of discs made in the it's first place probably is probably quite not small. Huge, mm. But yeah, let, let's just say we may have got a copy of series two from mm. somewhere. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> necessarily of, official. You know, how do you generally feel about the accessibility of of all? I, 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 I well, mm. just listing that what was available on VHS and what is now not available on DVD mm. sort of drives it home to me that. As formats come and go and mm. sort of, you know, wax and wane mm. and people are continually pushed towards streaming, mm-hmm. mm. the actual choice seems to lessen. To yeah. Stuff that I'm interested in becomes mm. ever harder to find. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we've we've said before, you know, about Vision On. I'd love to get a Vision On release. Mm. But even kids' series, things like Ragtime, yeah, mm. you, you, you can get finger bobs. You can't get yeah. ragtime. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so entertainment, the generation mm. game, three, mm-hmm. two, one. Mm. None of this has ever been released, and mm. obviously, a lot of that is to do with the viability of how many people. Yeah, how, would yeah, buy how many people will actually buy it? Copies. And, well, again, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? Because there are obviously rights issues, which I know are complicated, and and what have you. I mean, let's face it, we got nineteen eighty four out finally last mm. week you know after how many years of wrangling but i imagine for something like generation game it's to do with the fact that it's got members of the public and all that kind yeah. of thing and tracking them down or unless they've signed releases at the time but we've seen things like Who Done It have been released haven't they so, so yeah. it is possible to do that I, I think actually itv is possibly better served than the bbc these yes. days because yes. network are prepared to release frankly any old tat <laughs> and i mean that in a nice way mm. yes because some of that tat most, is actually most, quite fascinating to see most yes people yeah. would mm. would regard it as tat i think mm. it's, it's fair to say because you continually reference things lisa at work yeah and nobody has a clue what you're going on no, about i've, I've mm. long given up but i mean apart from the fact mm. that quite a lot of them are considerably younger mm. than i am even the ones that are older only vaguely remember mm. some of the things I've watched. But, I mean, yeah. as a as two old school Doctor Who fans from the days when you had to go and get grubby little brown envelopes <laughs> from car parks <laughs> and things to to actually see episode. Now, now that everything that's available has been officially released at some point, does it still whoa, surprise whoa, whoa, you whoa, when whoa, people whoa, say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Can I just stop you there, mine? Um, Blu-ray releases. Hmm. Blu-ray releases is the supposed be-all and end-all release for Doctor Who, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And how many people have we heard complain that they haven't been able to buy a copy? Because they only Oh, the limited edition. The limited edition thing. Yeah, Yeah. but they are Mm. now re-releasing them. Yeah, Yeah. but I, I, I just want to have a moan about limited editions when it comes to new releases. That's, that's, a, that that seems to it, me yeah. is like sort of pulling the carpet out from underneath yourself, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, well, you sorry, feel it should be av- it should be available to everybody 
and why limit it? I, I get that. No, I'm yeah. just saying though, does it surprise you sometimes when knowing that everything at some point has been released on VHS or DVD, when people actually they still seem surprised that they can get or, or still trying to track down stuff that you think hasn't everybody had that on the shelf for 15 years? Well, do you have any of that? The trouble is that we bought everything when it came out. Mm-hmm. And if yes. 30, 20, 20, 30 years later, you suddenly find you you'd like to get to a you'd like to get a series. Mm. It's a lot. Of, I mean, it's like the you know you remember the Target books. The Target books mm. would come out once a month, and you know in the seventies and eighties, my life was marked out by Target book releases, wasn't it? Mm. In the nineties, my life was marked out by the VHS releases. Mm. You know, you'd, you'd get two every two months or two a month or, or things mm. like that. And in the 2000s, my life has been marked out by DVD and Blu-ray releases. Mm. Mm. But yes, we've got a big collection, but it's taken us all our lives to do that, hasn't it? Mm. Mm. You know, mm. if we suddenly had to replace our entire collection, oh god, it would mm. be... a it would be incredibly expensive, yeah. and half of it you couldn't get anyway. Yeah, because we, mm. we recently had to replace um, one who done it, one who done it series oh series yeah um because one of the discs was faulty disc rot the yeah. dreaded disc rot <laughs> oh right and okay just, just to get that one series i did track it down at a reasonable price but mm. Mm. um network aren't selling it anymore no that particular series and sort of amazon would you were looking at sort of 20 odd quid just to replace that one mm. series yeah so in the end i went to um i got a second hand copy yeah. from CEX hmm. which which hmm. wasn't as expensive so but I only really wanted one disc yeah yeah so. oh well I had a similar problem when I, I broke a disc in a set a few months ago it, it just became again it was deleted so how do you replace that one disc and something but do you see that as a ongoing problem I mean you have your collection now and if we all survive 20 or 30 years or whatever <laughs> Do you feel that, you know, with things like disc rot and, okay, you go and you take it off the shelf and it won't play or you haven't, nobody's making DVD players anymore or something like yeah. that, does it get to the point where this stuff won't be available at all? Do you feel that streaming is not supporting that kind of... The archive is not being looked after in that sense? It does feel like a continual salvage job sometimes just mm. to keep mm. stuff available. Because don't forget that when the BBC sort of did did its sort of archive backups in the early 90s. Mm. Not everything was actually backed up even then, mm. which is why things like Rent-A-Ghost were missing for, for a mm. while. Mm-hmm. The whole of Rent-A-Ghost mm. effectively was wiped because it wasn't transferred. It's only because, was it BSB or somebody had, mm. had their copies? You Someone know, only that, yesterday mentioned there's, there's a couple of missing EastEnders. Mm. Are there? How did that happen? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just error, human error, but it crept yeah. in. And again, with time passing, I mean, we had this idea, didn't we, that now that people knew the value of the stuff in the archives, they'd look after it better. And yet, still, it becomes not as available to the to the viewers. The Most of the Blue Peter copies from the seventies now are not the original copies. They're like sort of dubs from, from mm-hmm. the original, which means a hell of a lot of really good continuity is gone. Mm-hmm. There's a half a dozen knocking around on YouTube where the mm-hmm. Blue Peter runs a few minutes early and a few minutes late. So you've got mm-hmm. all that wonderful coming up on 
BBC One and things like that. <laughs> but even all that's gone now. Well, and I know you that, as as historians, as television historians. I mean, we love all that. Yeah, you like context. You like to be able to say, "Ah, yes, well, that Doctor Who episode was on at the same time as as that episode on ITV of." whatever series it was it's mm. it's actually being able to say yeah okay you're a big fan of this but when you look at the bigger picture on that saturday night or on that week or on that month in 1968 you could also be watching all these things that yeah. i feel is actually an important part of television archiving generally isn't it and it feels you've got to have that context and if stuff becomes less available for people to say oh if you liked uh, Patrick Troughton in this, there's this piece of Robin Hood or whatever. Yeah, You can join those dots for people. And it, it becomes fascinating because I think you get to a point where you think everybody knows this stuff now. Everybody knows that this actor was in... But occasionally things pop up and it's like, oh, I never knew that X was in that series. And you go, oh, did you... Or was in Doctor Who twice. You know, yeah. the number of people who sort of are surprised when that's the same actor who played you know, the Archimandrite, and there he is. <laughs> I mean, we, we recently did an article on the Master Spy, didn't mm. we? And we mm. had no idea that there was such a programme as the Master Spy. <laughs> and what we've been able to see mm. has just, you know, you thought you understood the 70s. And, <laughs> and then, then this bonkers yeah. show comes along. Yeah. And even though I lived through the 70s, I'm still learning things about the decade and, as you say, context and, and shows and, and mm. people. and So I, I don't think I, I even begin to know everything yet. I feel that um, Master Spy is one of those series, actually, that you actually I actually feel that it's one of those ones that if you told people that you remember watching it, they'd go, never yeah. heard of it. <laughs> yeah, what's that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there, there are comedy shows mm. out there that I know we've never even heard of. Because mm. <laughs> occasionally we'll stumble across something mm-hmm. and go, "What the hell is this?" Mm. <laughs> you know, and even if it is awful, it's still interesting. Mm. Yeah, there's equally the comedy shows that you wish would get lost and never be found again. Which, <laughs> which you shouldn't. You shouldn't really think that about. I mean, anything. No. Anything has cultural value, context yeah. value. I mean, even even the worst of television has value, just yeah. in the point of why. It, because nobody working on it wanted to make bad television, really, did they? That's the interesting yeah, Let's thing. admit, Lisa, there are things in our collection mm-hmm. which we will never watch yeah. willingly. <laughs> <laughs> but it just might be useful to have them. Mm. <laughs> just if, you know, just, just to prove a point or, or to do a little bit of research. And yes, we've got an awful lot of material that we will never watch. Mm. Probably. So. But we might, mm. we we might want to. One day we might just feel utterly. Are bad you going to, to go leave it sick. to the nation one day? <laughs> God knows. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, it does fascinate me. I mean, I because I, I remember years ago going to the uh, Bradford Film and TV Museum, you know, and just they, they had stuff that was available just for you to view. You know, you could say, yeah. oh, I'd like to watch that, please. And you could go off to a booth and watch the Quatermass Experiment first episode. You know, that was available on their lists. Yeah. So the fact is that there uh, will always be people who want to see this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've just fallen down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole, you might have noticed in the last few weeks, with The Sky at Night. Mm. And I found somebody who was a guest on The Sky at Night occasionally, mm. who's got a whole YouTube channel devoted to 
not only his appearances on the show, but virtually mm. every other episode that's available. You know, going mm. back to about 1960, there's one, there's one oh. about Uranus uh, mm. with Patrick Moore um, tinkling on the piano. Mm. Uh, if you'll pardon the expression, that sounded worse <laughs> than I... But, yeah, the, um, in a load of 70s and 80s and 90s editions. Mm. And I'm, I'm just going through all these, going, well... Mm. I hadn't even really thought about watching The Sky at Night, sort of binge-watching it. Mm. But there's nowhere else you can do that. Mm. There's BBC doesn't make it available. And it's no. just interesting to see... Because like every now and then, Patrick will do an episode called A Telescope for Christmas, mm. sort of 1987 edition or 1995 mm. edition. And, mm. you know, I said I've, I've, I've got myself a new telescope. And it's just fascinating mm. to see how even that show basically <laughs> remaking the same show every five years or so how telescope technology changes yeah and all of a sudden they start having telescopes that can move on their own and track the stars mm. by pressing some buttons yeah, well, you um, see well that that's how history works isn't it yeah well that's history. unfortunately yeah. we've we've filled our first hour <laughs> Oh, blimey. <laughs> so I'm going to say thank you very much for that today. And I'd like to say it is interesting, isn't it, when you just throw a few topics in, how you end up filling time on this this fascinating uh, thing we call telly. So, so we started with Terry Nation and, and we ended up with telescopes. Mm. Uh, well, yes, and, and with that idea of Patrick Moore, Uranus and... And tinkling on his tinkling, tinkling on the piano is <laughs> is it's quite a way to finish the hour. So thank you very much for your time today. You take care. Thank you much. Bye bye. Bye. Many thanks to Lisa and Andrew for joining me today and heading off on our random journey, setting out on which we genuinely had no idea where it might end up, despite Terry Nation to telescopes having a strange sort of symmetry to it. Perhaps there is some kind of order in the chaos of the universe after all, even if the randomizer can only take you to the two most obvious places that you're known to hang out in. I should point out that despite our confusion earlier, Terry Nation's three contributions to the third season of Blake 7 were Aftermath, Power Play and Terminal, which were his final script contributions for the series, although he was writing for the show far later than I tend to remember. Anyway, that's another vision on sound being chased around the blasted radioactive landscape of Wirelessius by a mysteriously benevolent figure who'll turn out to be one of our many allies at Fab Radio International who somehow helped to keep us staggering on each week, for which we are always grateful, as we are, of course, to all of you, wherever you are, for listening. As ever, I have been Martin, and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now, and take care. <laughs>